Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. And between the years 1990 and 2000, I did hundreds of interviews with musicians for the Irish Times in a slot that was originally called the Joe Jackson Interview. When Paddy Woodworth, the newspaper's arts editor, launched its now legendary sound and vision double-page spread. The name above the title idea was his. And I once said to Paddy, why me, Lord? I was joking, though editors do like to be addressed that way. Paddy explained that he chose me primarily because we both believed that the arts should be central to political debate rather than relegated to the sidelines and that as such, popular music, as an outgrowth of popular culture, could and should be explored from a socio-political perspective. So I set out to broaden the net, as it were, to get a gender balance. And I set out to get a genre balance, to give as much space to, for example, Irish traditional acts such as The Chieftains. And even if all I got was a phone interview, something I usually rejected because it didn't lend itself to in-depth discussion, I was happy to say, you bet. What follows is one of my Irish Times interviews. Enjoy. We're getting through. Uh, archaic colonial phone lines. Is that what it is? Colonial? Well, aren't we? <laughs> yes, they are. Hi. <laughs> okay. Well, one thing I, I'm, you know, I, one thing I want to get out of the way immediately. I am number one, not a fair musician. So let's get that down. And not a rock snob. Okay. So I know you, you, you have kind of, yeah, uh, to me, substantial uh, differences in critical perspectives on the band. I don't come from any of that. And I'm very, I mean, if you're giving a lot of people the kind of delight you seem to be doing again, or points of identification, to me, that's great. Okay, and we have a phrase here for people who mock called fuck the begrudges. Have you heard that? No. That's a very Irish phrase. I like it. You know what it is? I get them off my back. And I also love that story. Have you still got or have you lost your marbles? What is that? You know the marbles you, you had as a kid? I don't know. I still have that in a cigar box with uh, yeah. an old Dutch master cigar box. But that was a kind of philosoph philosophical point where you got that idea of punish those who mock or, or don't accept or whatever, is it? Well, it's always been uh, the modus operandi for me because I'm a foreigner and I've always been a stranger in a strange land. Oh, and perhaps the Irish understand. Oh, absolutely. Uh, being in the you know, British Empire, there's always this sort of uh, second-class citizen right. feeling you get, not even if it's not right. uh, legally practiced. I mean, you can call somebody out if they say, hey, you, whatever it is, potato in the head or whatever the phrase is, right. and call them out on it, but there's still a sort of a snobbishness <clears throat> associated with the power elite that nonetheless is... No, that's fine by me because I'm actually bringing out a book in about two weeks on Irish people, Irish artists and politicians. And one Irish music, one Irish musician living in England said there's two sides to this. He said, Yeah, you're made to feel socially inferior, but another part of Irishness is when they tell you you're an idiot and you can't do it, you get right up there and you do it. Well of course. It's a great it's a great uh, it's, it's the spirit, it's the fuel for the fire. Yeah. That's why when you look at uh, the, the entertainment world, especially, it's it's usually inhabited by people who are these sort of outcasts. Sure. In America, there's uh, clearly racism, even though legally it's not allowed. Right. Yet you look at the entertainment world, and whether it's Michael Jackson or Eddie Murphy and so on, the underclass is well represented. Well, it's never a rock star that I mean, think of the kind of Sun Records, Elvis Cash, all those people. Of course. And even before that, it started with black people. That's true, right. In the blues. Slaves. Yeah. Because the very colonial empire that were outcasts 
then subjugated another group of people who were themselves outcasts. Right. Because it's dog eat dog and all that. But, but didn't it also apply, though, you always hear the blacks being celebrated that way, but it applied to much Jimmy Rogers and white country musicians and all that stuff, too. There's another layer. The Hicks, there's also the yeah. Hicks, which is the suburb in the north versus the south. And the, oh, right. You know, human, human turmoil, and there's always this sort of, what do you, hillbilly? Yeah. No sort of routine. And you're right, you know, the people who live in the backwoods areas uh, usually bring, that, bring out their their misery through their music, but certainly their joy as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not always about misery. Yeah, but isn't the isn't the joyful act the act of being allowed to make it, or even if you're not allowed to make it, going in and doing it anyway? Um, of course. I mean, in terms of your career, but there's also the joy of pure sex. <laughs> all right. Therein lies the core of all of it, because the term rock and roll itself, which comes from a black yeah. blues number, literally refers to the sex act. Let me rock and roll you all night long. He wants to sit her down and <laughs> well, I think Kierkegaard and Nietzsche wanted the same, but they just phrased it differently. Well, they were talking too much, you know, <laughs> right out of getting laid. And, uh, you know, a, a blues man from the Delta, Mississippi, says, let me rock and roll you all night long. So anybody who says, nah, your, your stuff is just all it deals with is coxmanship and lyrics, I'm in your lyrics. And I say, correct. <laughs> well, that is the core. By definition, it is uh, it is what rock and roll is all about. And in fact, bands that have no sexual content in their songs are by definition not rock and roll. Like who? Who, who do you see that just lacks that kind of fire? Eurotechno. Oh, right. By and large. Right. Uh, well, a sort of... Uh, and that doesn't mean it's not good. Oh, no, no, I know. No, I, it's just by definition not rock and roll. Morrissey, the stuff he does, which I think sonically is very interesting, but it's not rock and roll. Right, because it lacks that sexual energy. It, uh, well, I, I don't think he's clear of it himself. Sure, sure, sure. It's a sort of ambiguity. It's, uh, it's sort of ethereal. But, so, but a lot of fans, uh, Morrissey's fans, relate to that sexual ambivalence and uncertainty of itself, you know what I mean? Because maybe they are. I, I see what you mean, you know, in other words, by not talking about yeah. it, it, it does in fact become, but that's, but that's result, uh, that's effect, right. that's intent. Right. It's like, like somebody looks at a nun and they get a heart on, well, her intention is not to uh, get a sexual result, so. Right. It's like saying a nun is like a stripper. No, not quite. Right. Because intent is to be sexual and to go out there and have, you know, to have you aroused. Was that really an impetus for you? Because I saw this comment from you saying, thank God I'm in a band because I'm the ugliest guy on the planet. Is that how you really felt? Uh, but by goodness... Not really. I mean, All right. the problem is that I think I'm the most beautiful guy on the planet. I've been around saying that. I have, you know, many uh, barbs to defend myself against. So it's easier just to say, okay, you're right, I have the smallest penis and I'm the ugliest guy. Yeah. So what? So I still get laid more than your entire country. All right. But as a teenager, was that an impulse to get into music, or what was it? You know, to get laid more than anybody else, was that it? Well, initially, certainly it was sexual. All right. Initially, initially certainly it was. Uh, I mean, you couldn't really come to grips with the fact that the music was an important part of your life because, you, you know, you didn't quite figure it out yet. All I remember doing was seeing, uh, you know, these early rockers, <clears throat> and it didn't make sense to me until I saw the Beatles. And that single-handedly changed my life. Which which single? Pardon me. What did, you, did you say one of their singles or just the Beatles themselves? The, the Beatles, just the entire thing of it. 
All oh, right, the whole... And, and it was later on that I realized that it was more than just a song, and a group is more than just music, and right. more than just records. And the few bands that realize that go on to, you know, make great, great things. In other words, history. Because there have been great, great records by artists who you couldn't fucking remember if you, they held a gun to your head. I know, yeah. Therein lies the problem, which is that you can make great, faceless music, or you can make, whether it's great or not, you know, it's, it's all opinion anyway, but the idea is if you can make music and have, I don't know, presence or charisma or something, then you go down in history, because ultimately when you write about it and you print pictures, you can't hear it, can you? You're only dealing with images, and and you, you try to conceptualize a band, and so there, if there's not a thing or an it to a band, they're forgotten. Well, that was central to your philosophy, wasn't it? From the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Plus, when you buy a concert ticket, it was clear, I mean, you'd have to be a moron not to realize it, that somebody wants to hear your music, but they're also there because they want to see something. And so once we came to grips with the fact that perhaps 50% of it was visuals, we said, well, all right, let's attack the visual part of it very strongly. Let's put, let's put the band together that we never saw on stage. Let's do what we always wanted to see a band do. And so once we came to grips with that at the Mercer Arts Center in New York City, when, when all those sort of glitter bands were going around, running around, uh, being androgynous, yeah. that's another big word like gymnasium. Okay. <laughs> the two of them sometimes go together, too. Oh, that's right, androgynous gymnasium. In fact, that could be a brand new band. <laughs> so, okay, so what did, they, what did they say to you? Do what? A double gig next year. And they can both never look into the camera. You can sort of both look up in the air <laughs> as if you're in the middle of a talk. And Morrissey can fuck both. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, we're as silly as anybody else, so, you know, this is, uh, I'm not... Petty. Yeah, but no, I don't agree with that. Excuse me for jumping in. But I saw you make a good comment where you said, I mean, I saw recently the history of rock and roll on BBC television. Did you see that? Dancing in the Streets. A 10-hour series, right? Very, very serious and pretty great footage in it. You know, they got to all the key people. But they made the comment that, you know, uh, New York punk. Now, I've seen you say that you're a legitimate band from New York, one of the few. But they made the comment like they went through the same old stuff, the New York Dolls, and they just showed Kiss as representative of the kind of vacuous excess. Excess. So how do you feel about that? You see, because I'm going back to your earlier comment that what matters to me is not how a band looks or sounds, it's the energy and the spirit behind what they're doing. Yes. And I think you have it. Well, yes for the people who uh, understand, but no for the masses. Okay. The masses do still judge the book by the cover in the same way that you and I would say the word for or, or whatever the phrase is when a girl with very large frontal uh, talents come, you know, sort of they're lifted and separated and they're pointed in your general direction. Right. We we don't even we don't know if her personality's nice. All right. We don't in fact know if she's good in bed. But the initial reaction is yes, we're judging the book by the cover. Okay. Wow. And so it's fair enough to say that you may intend something deeper, but you have to deliver the sugar on top. But do you not get pissed off when I you know you you you, you go you know, you go for critics and say, you know, if all your, your tirades against them because they judge you solely. But that's not, that's, my, that's not my problem with critics. 
My problem with critics is not that they criticize the band. That's fair. That's fair game. All right. Because uh, everybody's allowed a shot at anything, and I'm too fucking well paid. I'm too fucking rich. It doesn't really matter. I mean, if you don't, if you think Godzilla's not cool, who cares? Godzilla's about to stomp Tokyo. Critics. Pardon me? All critics are just rock critics. What about art critics, movie critics, literary critics, all that? You just. If, well, I don't know if they went to school and they got their, their degree. Then, I mean, at least to drive a car, you have to go take a test and learn how to drive. All right. I'm a journalist. There's journalism school. You get a degree in journalism and so on. Right. You work your, your way from the bottom up. I mean, there's a process, whether it's paying your dues or having a card. So, oh, yes, I'm, I'm a, you know, I went through training and so on. But it seems to me to become a food critic or a rock critic or perhaps a movie critic, there is no school for it. You just all of a sudden, you have access to media and power. And there is nothing wrong with that if a critic comes, steps up to bat and says, I just saw Kiss. They played Donington. Everybody, it was a madhouse. They blew everything up in the air. People seem to have the time of their lives, but I didn't like it. That, that's valid. No bones to pick. But for a critic to stand up and say, it's the worst piece of shite I've ever heard, says who? Okay. Who are they to completely disregard what 50,000 other people were doing. It seems to me it's dishonest journalism, but it's honest criticism. See, a critic can be completely ethical in his way of reporting things by being, you know, the Pope and saying, this sucks. By not being a journalist as well, it's being unethical because you're not reporting what happened. And, and clearly a, a critic's job, as far as I'm concerned, is first to report on the event in other words, or if he's doing a movie review, here's what the movie's about, here's what happened, and then at the end say, I don't like it, but I don't like it and here's why. You can't, you know, I mean, there's a movie called Independence Day, which is the biggest movie of the year, and the critics hate it. Well, we the people, you know, that's the great thing about these colonies, we figured it out early on. The first three words of the Constitution are, we the people. Very good. Yeah, right, right, okay. It is no, not the king says it's okay. I know. Just suck my ass, the king. <laughs> So is there any part of you, though, that, that even, in a minute way, longs for those kind of, because they go very heavy on you, to, 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 for them to accept you? Do you ever say, guys, wake up, or women, wake up, and look at it another way, and you'll see the worth in it? No. no I, I mean, I, okay. you're never going to be loved by everybody. I mean, I'm not a fan of Christ, and everybody, <laughs> a large part of the world seems to be. I mean, I'm Jewish, and I think he's a good Jewish boy, but other than that, I'm saying... I loved your comment. I mean, Ireland's going through a great post-religious crisis at the moment. I don't know if you know about that, like pedophile priests. The first thing on everybody's mind should be, we worship a Jew. Now, once you get past that, you'll be okay. Well, your quote was, if the Jew... <laughs> some, is some honesty. In the church, everybody needs some honesty. The honesty is, you can still believe in Christ as the God and the King and the, and the Son of God and all that. That's great. You know, believe everything you want. But teach honesty. Teach truth. Mary was a Jewish mother. Christ, that's not his name. His real name is Yeshua ben Yosef. Right. Christ comes from Christo, which means Messiah or, or King. Right. It's not his name. That's why he says the Christ. People don't even have a fucking clue what the guy's name is, and they worship him. You know, if I ask anybody who's Christian, Protestant or otherwise, what's his name? You go, oh, Jesus Christ. You fail Christianity. That's not his name. So what are you saying that is, then, a rejection of Jewishness? Oh, I don't care. Jews have no missionaries. A Jew, a Jew is 
not allowed to tell somebody else that his religion is better. In fact, right. everybody should worship their own God. There are no Jewish missionaries. Okay. All right. No, no, no. Everybody should worship. But when you say we don't use the right name for Christ, is that because we are like uh, just denying the Jewish root and base? No. Okay. Because it's because the church in 312 AD, 300 years after Christ died, was was resurrected or not, depending on your. There was a Caesar whose name was Constantine. Caesar Constantine. Okay. It was the fall of the Roman Empire. He converted to Christianity. In one fell swoop, he changed the entire. Roman Empire into the Holy Roman Empire and <coughs> completely bastardized everything Christ <coughs> taught and incidentally Christ was a rabbi but they don't teach that. Teacher he's clearly referred to in the New Testament as rabbi. You don't, but you don't get taught that. It's honest. It's a lie to you not to know that. Is there a, I know you... So this guy, <laughs> this Caesar, completely changed everything made Christian, made his soldiers Christian soldiers when Christ clearly if you believe in the idea of it, said, take your swords, make them into plowshares. He didn't want soldiers. He didn't want a pope and papacy and people and human beings telling you what to do, except him, of course. Right. It's all lies. Is rock and roll similarly a, is rock and roll similarly a lie? Or the movie industry? I don't believe so, because I don't think there's any... But there's not, I mean, just, I was reading the interview with you and you were asked about, you know, does your Jewishness account for much in the, in the music, the energy, the drive? Yeah, I, well, I've talked with Mace who? Leonard Cohen, uh, Neil Diamond, Tony Bennett, about this. Much, very much it has something to do with it. it okay. It has to do with being the outcast. All right, okay. You know, the, uh, the stranger in a strange land. You have something to prove. Okay, to okay. To all the people who mock you. And what about, uh, Neil Diamond said that he heard, you know the way the blue note in jazz and the kind of cry at the heart of some Irish music? Oh, the flat third. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you, does that have, you can't let that come across in Kiss, can you? Well, we, we fool around a bit with the flat third. It's clearly not straight ahead pop music. Okay, okay. But every once in a while you go, yeah, when you do the sure. flat third on the melody. Yeah. But that doesn't make it blues. Okay. Please. Um, even Little Richard was far enough away from the straight-out blues, even though his melodies were there, because it was celebratory in tone. Right, okay. You know? So what are you saying, that the blues isn't celebratory? Uh, the blues, by definition, initially, is not. Okay. Blues is, by definition, I've got the blues. All right. My baby left me. I'm uh, yeah. a slave. But I thought it also is kind of assertion of sexuality, life force, you know, and go, you know the gospel dimension of it. Yes, all yes, yes, all that. All right. But clearly, initially, it was the uh, you know the slave who was getting the torment all by kind of music, and then it you know clearly evolved into like gospel and this and that and, and so on. And jazz moved away, and rock and roll, even though it owes its owns owns its roots, owes rather not. Owns, okay. But that's semantics, and I'm not anti-semantics. <laughs> It owes its roots to uh, blues and all that. Clearly, it's celebratory in nature. Okay. Even but Jerry Lewis, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. I mean, it's sexual. Yeah. But he's having a great time. Yeah. He's going, oh, I've been down so long, it looks like, yeah. Right, right, right. But Jerry had his problem singing that line, didn't he? Well, <laughs> far be it from me to comment. Let those who are without sin and so on. Okay, so this is why you see the music you're doing, the energy you give to audiences, and the popularity of the band as, as legit from the beginning to the end. Well, it's a very, this stuff is very important, <clears throat> but nowhere near as important as farmers. Police. All right, all right. I mean, we have to take a look at what's really necessary to life as we know it on the face.
Yeah. The real, the real people who should be getting all the money should be farmers and teachers and the really important people that we can't do without. Now, having said that, if people choose to have something like KISS in this world, the least we can do is put on the greatest show on earth. If you're going to pay me 100 to $200 million on this tour mm-hmm. that I'm going to walk away with, well, for fuck's sake, at least the least I can do is walk up there and give you the best show on earth. Okay. And that means sparing no expense. We put $7 million bucks of our own money before we sold the first ticket to uh, put together hydraulics and lifts and fireworks like nobody's ever seen before because people pay their hard-earned money for a ticket. My, my God. The least they can, they can expect is a band that gets up there and works their ass off. You know, I've seen so many bands that, whose records I've loved. Right. And when I see them live, I get, I, I'm going, wait a minute. I, I get the sense like I'm working for them, like they're doing me a favor for being there. Wait a minute. Who's the boss here? And that, that's at the core of it. We've always understood a very simple idea. We work for you. You are the boss. We wouldn't be here without you. Pay the people. And so the least we can fucking do is to get up on stage show up on time, be responsible, and put on the best show in the world. Now, that's not very rock and roll. Rock and roll, unfortunately, is better. I mean, if you're a heroin addict, or if, or if you act like Axl Rose or something, I'd beat the pants out of this guy if he was in the band. All right. He'd be gone in five seconds. Did you really never buy any of that behavioral stuff? Absolutely not. And uh, to prove it, Ace and Peter, when they were being self-destructive, All right. were no longer in the band. When huh? they were asked to leave or left on their own volition, as own all how you look at it. Okay, fair enough. Ace and Peter are fantastic now because as human beings, they're fantastic. All right. They're, they've made the band all that much greater. I mean, in football, for instance, imagine the, the ball is tossed towards one of your teammates and he fumbles it. Well, he doesn't okay. fumble. All right. The whole team fumbles. Sure enough. How did you get the... So how did you get the strength to, to resist all that? If you felt truly in your soul like an outsider... I mean, you know the way people foolishly think if I take all these drugs, take all this drink, I'll, I'll feel closer to the center. Well, I can't, I can't uh, you know, hurt myself. There are too many people who are willing to do it for me. Why the fuck am I going to help them? Right. But were you always that wise? Oh, well, I don't know that it's wise. I don't know that you have to. Oh, that much in control? Oh, yeah. Never been high. Right. Never been drunk. I mean, in a dentist chair when they put you out. I, I know, I've seen you say that, but is that really true? Well, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter to me if anybody gets it or not. I mean, I simply practice my life as I see it. Okay. So I have no, uh, I don't gain anything. In fact, I lose cool points. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quotient goes down by saying, I hate drugs. And I sure. And anybody who does drugs, that includes on the road crew, they're out. They're okay. gone before okay. they spell their last name. So what, what gets you most high then now? The audience, the money, the women, the wife, the child? Oh, you're not married, sorry, the, the person you're living with. It's <laughs> <laughs> always been great. All right. And there's also, I want to address for a, sim- for a second this kind of British fixation. And it's not so much Irish, because yeah. the Irish know what it works, what it means to work hard and take home money, and you're happy to have money. Oh, yeah. Because, because you don't have it, you know, you have to <laughs> you do have to get money, you love it. We have potatoes. Well, yeah, but the, but the British have had money That's right. for a long time. And so there's this kind of self-consciousness about having money. And so the, it goes over to rock and roll. Ah, you guys do it only for the money. Let's for a second presuppose that Kiss or any other band is doing it only for the money. Why the fuck is it any less credible for a band to do it for the money than for a plumber who gets up every morning, goes to work, 
and of course, for fuck's sake, wants to get paid. Right, right. So if so, if it's credible, if the if the if the cool thing is for a band not to do it for money, I would please like somebody to name me the band that's doing it for free. Well, if this goes back. Sorry, go on. I mean, I'll give you a moment to think of the name of the band. Oh no, I don't. I don't. I, I don't even put forward these arguments because you remind me there, as you said it, and I never thought of it before. That black blues man singing the blues in the field. If he had economic independence, he wouldn't have had to do that. You know what I mean? And that's why I'm always very suspicious of rich white boys who sing exclusively and only blues. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it connects to the soul. I mean, unless they're completely fucked up as individuals. Right. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, the, tr the truth is, the bottom line truth is, we get paid an awful lot of money, always have, and love it. Right. That is not the sole reason we do this. I mean, I really love the energy of what happens on stage. This is clearly electric church. All right. This is the kind of feeling that you can't get anywhere. Religion doesn't have it. I mean, I don't get it from anybody. What about the greatest sex? Mr. Diamond said it's better than the best orgasm. Um, it's certainly close. <laughs> it's I mean, my favorite evening is to do the show on stage and then to do the encores back in the old time. <laughs> it better be with the right person. <laughs> well, sure, but, you know, you, you cross the street and you take your chances there. All right, okay. All right, but you seem to have had it all. I mean, I, all, all the, uh, the the share, Diana Ross, all that stuff. Have you achieved it all? All you could have dreamed of when you when you had those marbles in your hand. A long time ago, that if women think that men are dogs, the least I can do is sit up and beg. <laughs> you don't do that, do you? Oh, I'll do anything. Does it work? Does I'll it? Bench, <laughs> teach me tricks, of course. <laughs> Okay, just that, that question about two. You do get a lot of flack in the British press for the kind of uh, whole empire, but I saw parallels when I was reading about, you know, the dolls, the toothpaste, the wastebackers. Uh, you two and Paul McGuinness put together are not that different. Well, I don't think that's good or bad. No, 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 I just think it's something that people don't realize when they're criticizing people like you. Well, that's okay, because, uh, again, we can sit, you know, 100 feet below Godzilla as he's stomping Tokyo and say, nah, I don't get it. It doesn't matter. We're too big. Right. So what? Focus magazine in America just reported on the grosses. That means the number of people paying customers who lined up and paid money to see the band. Pearl Jam and, and Garth Brooks and all the big Number one, Kiss. Why do you think it never hit quite as big over here? Uh, I still think... Well, you didn't come here. No, we haven't come as much, number one. Yeah. Number two, I still believe that uh, Europe has a problem with itself okay uh, sort of no longer the center of civilization and culture i mean here's this upstart country and i'm not american so i'm not speaking like i'm waving the american flag okay my own thing here. but clearly the world is ruled by this culture it's not my culture hamburgers rock and roll movies right television they're all Amer and comic books you know the superman and, and batman and so on they're all american. and spider-man wasn't he a favorite of yours it's still, okay. It shows. In fact, Kiss meets the X-Men. Right. Stan Lee, that's coming out this month. Right, okay. I mean, uh, this is clearly the culture that rules the world, whether we like it or not. So the French, the French can talk about caviar yeah. and, and import it to Thailand, but I'm sorry, they're going to be eating hamburgers and drinking Coke. Sorry. Okay. And fish and chips, you're right, it's very tasty. Australia doesn't give a fuck. All right. They're going to eat hamburgers. And that's life, and pizza, and Taco Bell. And, you know, if the food critics don't like it, I'm sorry, I didn't have anything to do with it. The people, we the people have spoken. 
And so I think Europe, you know, still has, I mean, the, the uh, techno stuff is big there. It means nothing here. It's a kind of a going out. I think it's losing yourself. There's a kind of a sense of let's go to a club and put on music, whether it's good or bad, and I don't know who's on. Right. I just want to lose myself in in not having to deal with going back and never having sunshine and having to work hard. Right. That's what it is. Whereas, I mean, America is just different. I mean, there's the best and the worst of everything, but it's always in excess. Yeah. If I never have another fucking cucumber sandwich, I'm, I won't regret it. You can go into the Carnegie Deli in New York, and you got to always remember when I talk, I'm not American. All right, how, what nationality? I'm an I'm Israeli. Yeah, but you were only you were only a baby when you left. You're only a boy. Nine years old. Yeah. I buy this idea hook, line, and sinker. Let me ask you something, and everybody will answer the same in, in this world. Okay. God gives you a choice: more or less. What do you think? More. Well, that's America. I'm sorry. Okay. Bigger or smaller? Right. Okay. The size of your dick, the size of your sandwich, the size of your car, the tits on your girlfriend. What do you want? You can guess. No, but I'm just the only person, the, the way you say, I don't define myself as American. All the things you're espousing are American. Well, I buy it. Okay. In other words, I buy it. I don't for a second discount my uh, heritage or where I come from or the, or the grandness and, you know, the historical importance of it. But here we are in the 20th century. And this is the culture that rules. Right. You know, if we were in the 1700s, I'd point to England okay. or Spain. And what about your whole family? Coming down to the last couple of questions, did they all love what you've done? Do any of them say you betrayed those nine years before you got to America? They all love their houses. Very good. Okay. But the other layer, do they think that you're betraying your, your, your racial root? No, because the only thing that's important is not hurting yourself, and that means drugs and booze. Okay. Won't find Jews on the corner drinking beer saying, hey, let's go knock off that drugstore over there, or let's go beat up that guy. That's just not what we do. Right. That doesn't mean that there are criminals that come in all sizes and shapes. Right. But drinking and rousty, hey, let's go to the bar. It's just, you know, certain cultures just don't do that. Right. It's not part of the modus operandi. Is it that they lack confidence to be assertive? I don't think, well, not, not physically. There's no reason okay. for that because right. you punish somebody by suing them a lot more than you can with a punch in the nose. Sure enough. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's weak male to think that by drinking and getting together physically. Oh, I know. I mean, it's sort of primitive. Sure, sure. Well, it's an Irish trade. I mean, I've seen it, you know. I don't buy it because an Irish trade is branded B, and that's an Irish trade. If you point to the football matches and stuff, you are, you are completely negating the great Irish writers and thinkers. What Ireland is. The Ireland is not the, the uh, you know, the primitive Neanderthal who goes and thinks because football Part of Ireland, though, and Brendan Bean did kill himself from it, you know. That's fine, but first, use your mind. Sure, you know, sure. An, an Irishman without a mind is not an Irishman, as far as I'm concerned, because a primitive is a primitive, no matter where he comes from. Okay, so when are you coming over here? Uh, I don't know. They, you know, they're sort of lining up the thing. I'm told the European tour is sold out in advance. I, I hope we can make it to Ireland. And, All right. And we'll see. But uh, I think we're only going around very fast first time, and only one show in London. Okay. And then next summer we're coming back to the stadium outdoors. Are you? So is it is it a reunion that's kind of got a, a loose kind of date on it? It's kind of. Well, we're trying not to plan it. Too okay. Far, uh, but so far we've got 26 countries, 
10 million people planned in about three years. Very good. All right, you'll be colliding with U2 next year. Love it. Yeah? I love the band. Do you? Sure. All right. You hear that energy in their music? What's not to love? You get up there and 50,000 people pay to see you. I love that song. Well, also, I don't, you see, I don't see that much of a difference between Zuropa and Kisseropa. None. You know what I mean? None at all, because when a band figures out that it's more than just music and it gives people something to look at as well as listen to, then it gets it. Then it's, as far as I'm concerned, they practice. All right. Always give him, give him bang for the buck. Right. Right. Did you ever hear last day the phrase show band? What is a show band? You mean like a, a big band? No, it's really cute. It's an Irish, uh, particular, peculiarly Irish phenomenon. It's something that arose in the 1950s here out of a, a blend of influences, which were um, more Bill Haley than Elvis Presley more the big bands 40s but it was where we put on what was called like it would be like um, a Dorsey band but you would break the dance section and the singing section to put in an Irish dance and a storyteller and maybe a joke a few jokes so throughout the 60s and this is what actually Bono told me Zeropa was a tip of the hat to uh, show bands ruled Irish popular music, you know, the Royal Show Band, the, the Clipper Carlton Show Band, and it would be a band that puts on a show. So this sounds to me exactly like this is your natural home. In that case, I take that as a compliment, because the idea of, of just getting up there and strumming your instrument, I mean, the record will sound better at home. Sure. Sure. If they're going to pay more, they get, you know, a ticket price costs almost twice sometimes three times as much as a CD. Why shouldn't they get something for the eyes as well as the ears? Okay, well, I can call you then without you feeling offended, the Kiss show band. Oh, fuck, call me anything you like as long as you buy a ticket. All right. Okay, thank you very much, Jim. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me, and I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, bye. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. And if you want to read the article that came out of that chat you just heard, check my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. Also, if you'd like to be notified of shows that focus on hundreds more interviews like the one you just heard, why not subscribe to the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast? Either way, thank you for listening.